to Blast from the Arsenal. Hello Gooners from all around the world and thank you for joining us on another episode of Blast from the Arsenal, your weekly podcast for all things I'm your host Angelo and joining me on this midweek post-match bonus episode is Diddley. Hi. How's it going mate, you alright? Yeah, it's alright mate. How's, how's things with you? Well, it's uh, it's okay at the moment. I feel like we're going to have our usual de-stress uh, debrief of yet another loss. Uh, but at least this time it wasn't in the league. So we'll come on to that in a moment. Um, obviously, as ever, just want to remind listeners to subscribe to our episodes uh, of this podcast so that they never miss an episode. And obviously follow us on Twitter and Instagram uh, where we're currently running a free Christmas competition, aren't we, Diddley? Um, but, of course, where will these people find us? Using what handle? That would be at Blast Arsenal Pod. It would. And uh, go check out our pinned tweet, which was our previous episode, uh, and you'll also be able to find how to enter our competition to win a load of Arsenal goodies. I mean, it uh, couldn't, couldn't be easier. It could, it literally couldn't be easier. You know, if you're following us, you simply retweet one of our tweets. And if you're not, then you push another button to follow us and then you retweet our tweet. So that's it. Yeah, what about giving in this festive period? And talking of giving, as I say, this is a bonus episode because, well, let's be honest, we're both off for Christmas at the moment. And we thought there was a match midweek. Let's talk about it. So we plan to do that full of Christmas joy. Uh, and unfortunately, we've ended up with a big lump of coal to talk about. <laughs> if you're not familiar with that Christmas tradition, Google it. Getting coal for Christmas. It's what happens when you're naughty. And um, it looks like a truckload of it is going to be delivered to Arsenal Football Club because of recent performances. So let's talk about this City game. Obviously, it was Arsenal-Man City, Carabao Cup, quarterfinals, got absolutely spanked. Uh, probably as per the scripts, because I think most people were expecting us to in light of our recent performances. Um, and we'll go through major talking points in a moment. But Diddley, your initial thoughts? Yeah, you say spanked. I mean, the end result looks like a spanking. Um, I didn't feel it was a, a 4-1 game, really. I think they just had um, the quality needed in those key moments and a little bit of luck as well with a couple of uh, goals but and some bad goalkeeping obviously uh, yes should we start with that uh well we may as well because it happened in the second minute yeah it <laughs> so, was uh, uh, pretty poor for both the first two goals really wasn't he he was so let's just run through the lineup actually so everyone knows who was playing just in case they didn't watch the game and are listening for our, you know, post-match analysis from near or afar. Uh, do you want to run through the lineup real quick or do you want me to do it? You got it there? Yeah, sure. We had uh, Runar Runison in goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it looked like we played uh, with a three at the back of Kolasinac, Gabriel and Mustafi. Yeah. And then four across the middle. Ainsley Maitland-Niles on the left, Cedric on the right, Elneny and Sabayos in the middle. Lacazette spearheading the attack. I say spearheading, but he, he drops back so deep that he might as well have been playing as a midfielder. And then Gabriel Martinelli and Joe Willock either side of him. 
Yeah, absolutely right. And um, just talking about that formation, obviously they played a 3-4-3 as you've just gone through. Uh, it looks like we dropped into a, a five with Cedric and Maitland-Niles playing as left and right wing-backs respectively when sort of in and out of position, you know, we were quite fluid. And, you know, again, we talk about it, but it's it's kind of the formation that we've been asking for, really, playing three at the back. That's how we started under Arteta and and did pretty well. And it just feels like no matter what formation and, and personnel, nothing seems to be going right for us at the moment. So, so yeah, that, that was the formation. And as you said, uh, the goalkeeper, who was a bit of a surprise selection for me. I don't know about you, but this is the quarterfinals of a cup. And um, whilst our priority should absolutely be the league this season, given our predicament, I'm, I'm quite surprised that Leno didn't start. I didn't really see the point or justification for starting Rudison against such formidable opposition position as well. Yeah, uh, it was a bit of a strange decision, seeing as um, you know, obviously Leno played against Liverpool in the previous round. Mm. Uh, it was a sink or swim moment for Runar Runison, and uh, unfortunately, he is at the bottom of the pool. It does look like he was tied up in chains uh, to a cinder block and, and thrown into the, the the sea. He was, yeah, yeah, very much a, a sinking situation. Uh, I think Arteta will be will be ruining the Runar decision to mm. put him in. To be honest, um, yeah, he could have done a lot better on the first goal. Um, I'm not sure what he was doing there, really. So, uh, I mean, from from memory, I think uh, Gabriel Jesus or Jesus, we'll call him Jesus, um, starts the, the the sort of the play there, doesn't he? Because he runs down the left wing with it, plays it off to Zinchenko, and as he's done that, he runs into the the box and gets between uh, Gabriel and Mustafi. And uh, I have to say, I don't know about you, I mean, I don't watch loads of Man City, but Zinchenko is not particularly known for his crossing abilities, but he whipped in a, a lovely ball. And somewhere between the two defenders and the goalkeeper, you had two static defenders and one flying goalkeeper. <laughs> they all missed it. And uh, Jesus put the ball in the back of the net, didn't he? Yeah, it was uh, terrible defending, really. Um, Cedric gets drawn into someone initially which causes him to come uh, towards Zinchenko a little bit too late to close the cross down mm-hmm. so you know he, he fails there and then Mustafi just ball watching and the, the keeper goes to sort of half claim the cross but he knows he's never getting there it's an easy header who was most at fault for that goal for you not that you know it shouldn't turn into one of those sort of reviews but I have quite strong feelings about this and I'm not sure everyone agrees with it so just keen to get your view it's a combination really I I would blame the centre-backs I think you've got to look there Uh, there's just a lack of communication I think between Mustafi and Gabriel as to who's picking who up yeah uh, I guess as Gabriel can see, um, Jesus, he should probably uh, put him under a bit of pressure. But um, what did you think? I thought um, 
you know, I always played as a centre back. That was always my position. Obviously, not at a very good level, quite clearly. But you know, I always felt like I liked playing centre back because I, I could see the, the the rest of the pitch and I'd have my back to the goal and and always sort of look outwards. And I felt like Mustafi was at the front post, but he was facing the front post. He wasn't. He he didn't have his back to goal from memory, and therefore he couldn't kind of see what was happening. But more importantly, he couldn't react quick enough. And he was at that front post, which is where the goal was scored, I felt like he should have just got his head to it and cleared it before, you know, the ball came over him and, and he had a chance to to, to score. Um, keeper was miles away. And obviously Mustafi, uh, sorry, um, Gabriel was the other side of the keeper. because It was kind of like a triangle, if you think of it like that. Um, but at the end of the day, it found the guy that scored and it, it is what it is. I just, somebody made a good point on social media afterwards, which was, Mustafi's openly said he wants to leave. Yeah. You know, he's not playing for the club. So why on earth are we choosing him over a William Saliba? I mean, I'm not being funny. If you're playing Runison in goal, surely you can play a Saliba in the um, Carabao Cup. You know, are you telling me that, that Saliba's so far behind his defensive development that... Uh, Rune Arson is so far ahead of him in goalkeeping development. Do you know what I mean? I don't well, know how to explain that yeah, very well, but e- I think even, even if, even if not Saliba, any, you know, I couldn't agree more. You know, if Mustafi is is on his way out, whether it's in January or or the summer, don't pick him. No. How how hard is he trying and concentrating? And yeah. his head's his head's elsewhere. Surely, I mean. That's a risk. That that's a risk. Yeah, Chambers. That that's a risk. Although his future is uncertain as well. But that, that's the the issue that Arteta has. He's maybe you would argue he's made the wrong decision by picking Mustafi. Um, but yeah, what's he got to pick from if he, mm. if he wants to rest players? I mean, Pablo Mari was on the bench. Yeah, and yeah. he he's only just signed for us. So surely surely he could. He could come in and play. Yeah, uh, and same at. Uh, I know we said that um, Kalasinac was playing as a third centre back, but why? You know, why are we playing Kalasinac when he nearly left in January in the summer? Sorry, quite clearly wants to leave. We should have. You know, could we not have played someone else, i.e. Pablo Mari there? Because at least he even added balance to the um, the back line because he's a left footer. Um, I, I just don't see the point in playing players that don't want to be at the club. And um, over, uh, you know, over other players, you could see that it wasn't a game that we were taking that seriously if we put out our second string. But why put out a second string that don't want to be there is my, my point. You know, if we're going to yeah. play a second string, let's at least put some kids in there. You know, at least they're going to get something from it. You know, might even surprise us and do well. And we'll come on to other players and performances in a minute. But I thought some of our youngsters did all right. So that was the first goal. Uh, so terrible start. Two minutes in, and, and we've lost uh, lost the goal already. Um, and there, then it, there was a, I noticed a lot of sorry to interrupt. No there was a lot of finger pointing, and you know, I've, I noticed even Mohamed El Nenny was sort of saying, "Well, I'm in this position. You know, that he's he's your guy, or." or pointing to areas of the pitch where he wanted other people to be rather than taking control and going over there himself. Um, there was a lot of that going on. There was a lot of ball watching, a lot of 
people not tracking runners um, and coming back into the side, Gabriel Martinelli just showed what he's about and, and what everyone isn't about. And that's running around and doing, putting a shift in. Yeah. Yeah. I right. mean, the one thing you can do, no matter what your level of talent is, you can effing run around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder whether some of the more senior players almost gave up before they'd even started. You know, we're on such Possibly. a bad run. We're playing Man City. Look who they've got on the bench, let alone who's starting. I, you know, did they go into that game thinking we ain't got a chance? So not what's the point, but um, just, I don't know, the fetus head uh, on their shoulders. And also, you know, you talk about, as you say, on any finger pointing amongst others. It's just that unhappy training ground at the moment isn't it it's just an un- unhappy club and the only way that that's going to turn around is through winning but through winning or a change of manager I suppose. yeah yeah i mean the, the camera shot to uh the stadium at one point the seats because they're all covered up aren't they with banners and what have you and it had um yeah you know victory through harmony which is our club motto and uh, we couldn't be further from it because we, we've got no victories coming at the moment and there's certainly a lack of harmony. So we're almost an anti-Arsenal at the moment. But time time will tell whether we make the right decision on, as, as mentioned in the previous uh, episode, sticking or twisting yeah. uh, with, with Arteta. But between that goal and the equaliser, which came from uh, Lacazette, and we'll come on to that in a second, there seemed to be a small pattern emerging of the referee taking a tough stance on our, certainly on our players. I think we were uh, the first couple of players to, well, some of our players were some of the first to get yellow cards in the game. And I don't know if mm. that was him trying to stamp his authority on the match, but they seemed quite petty, didn't they? I think Elneny got the first yellow, did he? Uh, and, and he literally said, that's my first foul. That's my first foul. You know, you usually get a bit of grace, don't you? Yeah. Um it's hard to say whether this is uh, a coincidence or whether we're just... Because it seems to be happening in, a, in the last few games, I've noticed, as well. Um, mm. Or whether we're just feeling sorry for ourselves. And, <laughs> it's just something something that we notice now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess yeah, there's not. definitely uh, an inconsistency there, I think. Um, and we'll, we'll move on to... Uh, well, we can talk about it now. The, the face slap from... Fernandinho. Yeah, so this came from a corner, didn't it? Or, or it was just before, or, or just after one or the other, a corner in the twenty-seventh uh, minute. Talk us through what happened there, then. Yeah, we had a bit of jostling in the area, and um, it was Danny Ceballos and uh, Fernandinho sort of uh, jostling for position in. In, in the area, very similar to last week, Mohamed Elneny against uh, the Southampton player. Yeah. You know, I can't remember the name of now. But, um, was it, yeah, was, was it Southampton or was it Burnley? Yeah, no, it was Southampton. It may have been, uh, was it Danny Ings that he did it to? I can't remember. But you're right, it's a similar incident. Why? One say, of those games. All these defeats are merging into one. Um, <laughs> one massive L. Yeah. yeah, he puts his hand up quite fairly, you know, aggressively. It's it's a slap in the face. Uh, Danny Sabayos 
overreacts to it, but it's it is what it is. It's a, a minimum of booking. Um, I'm, you know, there's no VAR in League Cup, so it didn't get looked at again, and he got away with it. Mm. Uh, after the game, the pundits sort of laughed it off and, and and sort of dismissed it as a as a sending off. So I, I don't that, know. They were quite critical of Sabios making the most of it, weren't they? They were, yeah, and um, you know they didn't sort of behave like that after the game when you know Graham Soonis was adamant that that El Nenny was stupid and should have got sent off against Southampton. But, yeah, but what's yeah. the difference? What's the difference with that? And also, what's the difference with the Leeds game where Pepe got sent off for the headbutt? And, yeah, which you was... Know, but it wasn't really a headbutt, and the player went no. down and just got shot in the balls. Yeah, the and, you know, they didn't really laugh about that and say he was ridiculous. So, you know, I think we're, we're just uh, easy targets at the minute for, for yeah. pundits. Yeah, we're a very easy target for, for pundits and for, for journalists in, in general because um, I messaged you the other day and said... Have you seen this? And in the papers, you know, they're making a big deal of uh, Arsenal have put some co- some relegation clauses into the the contracts of their players. Well, no, everyone does that when you sign a, a, co- a contract. You know, you're telling me that Aubameyang or Henri or whoever, you know, over these years have signed all these contracts at a top level club, but they don't have a clause in there that says, but if we get relegated, I'm, I, you know, I'm allowed to leave, basically. They're just making, mm. a, a, I guess, a, the most of our, our crisis at the minute. And um, it just it really pisses you off because it's kick, kick people when they're down sort of scenario, isn't it? Yeah, you do think, though, if there was a club that was ever to not put a clause like that in, <laughs> it, would be, it would be us. That's very true. That's very true. Um, right, yeah, so just got rid of our contract guru, Hastami. So, yeah. yeah, you're right. Well, apparently, we're close to bringing someone in. Um, that, that deals with that side of things. Uh, they want to get him in quickly because the um, transfer window is approaching fast. It is. It is. But All we'll right. come on to transfers maybe in a bit. Uh, yeah. Lacazette's goal. A uh, bit of persistence down the left from Martinelli. I thought he he, he was good. Yeah. He was good. Um, he went off injured. Uh, just after half time, but he has since confirmed that he's okay, I so that. that's good. Yeah, that yeah. Um, yeah, he crossed it, a uh, nice little chip in, and Lacazette with a pretty decent header. Yeah, and at that point, I thought we sort of took control a little bit for 20 minutes, and I thought that they were there to be got at, and maybe we just lacked that sort of final ball, you know, where we haven't got the player to, to do that. and and make uh, these sort of half chances into key chances and yeah. take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, you saw, Martin, like you said, Martinelli with that uh, cross, it was pure persistence. It was pace, it was power, it was taking on players, it was making them commit. And mm-hmm. he lost the ball, I think, the first time that he got tackled, but then he, he fought back, got it, and that's when he put the cross in. And I kind of feel like that's the hunger that we've been missing. That's the... Uh, the mental attitude that we've been lacking, you know, like I said before, I think I feel like people are almost going into these games now thinking probably going to lose. What's the point? And not fighting like every, every game is a cup final. Um, so I'm glad that he's shown people, look, this is what we need to be doing, but also glad that he's not out long-term injured again, because when he took that knock to the, the ankle, I thought, Oh God, this don't look good. He's down for quite a while. Then he came back on after half time and went off pretty quickly afterwards. So, um, so yeah, 
the 41st minute, I just want to take us there because there was some nice tick attack of football from City uh, where we couldn't get close to them. One touch, one two, that sort of stuff. Foden played in uh, Gabriel Jesus and Runarsson made a fantastic point blank save from like six yards out. And I thought, you know what, he, he was at fault or partly at fault for that first goal, but he's just redeemed himself. Maybe he's not a bad keeper after all. Maybe that's why Arteta chose him. You know, we we, we just too quick to judge. I don't know, but I thought, oh, brilliant save. He can do it. Um, so, uh, you know, I was full of hope at that point. And then uh, can't really get away from it. Halftime came, halftime went. And uh, into the 55th minute, uh, and these called David Seaman safe hands, didn't they? <laughs> uh, this yeah, they did. Is, yeah. yeah, this couldn't be more opposite. This was no hands. <laughs> um, talk us through this this girl by Mara's. Uh, well, free kick just outside the box. He's on his left foot. It looks like he's. Uh, um, I mean, the keeper's in a great position. It, I, I was a bit worried that he was too far over that way as, as at the one dying. point. As the dying. But, he was right uh, next to the post, leaving you know 95% yeah. of the goal open and, and only for the wall to defend it. But Yeah, but he... Um, well, I don't know. He's put his oven gloves on instead of his goalkeeper <laughs> gloves. <laughs> so, yeah. So you, you're right. He had the perfect spot if Mahrez was going to kick the ball right at him which is exactly what he did. Uh, and uh, I think he must have greased it up in, I can't believe it's not butter, because it slipped through his hands and into the back of the goal. It was comical, absolutely comical. Have you have you seen anything like that before? I mean, I've seen goalkeepers. Well, goalkeepers. yeah, the only uh, the Champions League final, I think Karius. Uh... Yes. Does flapped a, a, a little bit at that uh, Gareth Bale shot, didn't he? It was yeah. quite similar to that. Um, I, I think he gets caught in two minds. I think he was like, "Oh, I'm going to catch it," but then changed his mind because it was quite came at him quite quickly, and then he went to punch it, and it's just yeah, yeah it, it doesn't look good anyway. Right. Um, and he seemed to be a bit shook after that. Yeah, he did. So he went from that um, fantastic save where I thought he's redeemed himself to he's probably got to that point of no return already. You know, that point where you remember Manuel Almunia used to drop clangers like that. And he he was very hot and cold. He would either be making an amazing save one minute and then absolute shambles the next. And um, that never really left him as an Arsenal goalkeeper. And I fear that what, maybe four competitive games in or whatever it is. Uh, Runarsson's kind of already got that tag. Um, mm. So much so, he got so much abuse after the game from Arsenal fans, he's deleted his Twitter account. Uh, so don't go Sometimes, Sometimes I want to delete ours, mate. <laughs> well, funnily, I was going to say, don't go follow him. Go follow us, at Blast Arsenal yeah. Pod. Yeah, do it. Uh, so I mean that was a joke of a uh, a joke of a goal, and I will say this as well. Have you ever noticed when you watch football on TV, the pitch looks massive, the 18-yard box looks massive, and when you when you you know you're watching football live in a stadium, it's actually not that big the 18-yard box, is it? It's not that far away. So not to excuse him because he's a professional 
goalkeeper and should be making saves to play at that level. But I guess if you you know getting smashed out from from that far out, I don't know. Maybe with Mara's being left-footed and him leaving so much of that side of the goal open, maybe he was expecting him to you know hit it over the wall and therefore hadn't set himself properly for it to come straight at him. Don't know, but put it this way, I can't imagine Leno would have done that. No, I can't. And, uh, you know, I noticed people obviously start the Emmy Martinez chat after that. And yeah. uh, I don't think he's a straight replacement for him. I think no. he's been brought in as a potential third yeah. keeper, um, hopefully, but, anyway. But that begs the question, why are you playing a third goalkeeper in a quarterfinal? Right. It just shows how bad, you know, Matt Macy is, I guess. Oh, but but what you know, I'm guessing there must have been an injury to Leno then. What you know, if he's a if he was a second choice keeper, fair enough. If he's a third choice keeper, or the the quality of a third, you know, why would Arteta choose him? Well, I just don't get that. Um, so anyway, we're all pulling our hair out at that point. No offense, Diddley. And um, three three minutes later. Uh, VAR strikes again because uh, Phil Foden is in and uh, yeah. he's played in by Jesus from the left-hand side and uh, he dinks it over the oncoming goalkeeper but he was offside and of course there, as you said there is no VAR in the League Cup so there isn't and again the pundits had a field day with this one um, say uh, uh, who was it the uh, ex-Man City player Nico Richards. Yeah. Uh, he said, well, they might have, yeah, it's marginal. I think it was quite clear <laughs> it actually, was, it uh, was. how offside it was. And um, VAR definitely would have ruled it out, Mika. So uh, have a word with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. He, he also said he didn't think it would have, it had much of effect on the, on the result. But if that goal does get ruled out, we're at two one and we're still in the game, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. After that, it was it was done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And yeah, the difference between two one and three one is is massive, isn't it? Because yeah. even if we'd only had one more chance, but that was the one chance we'd scored. Uh, as you say, that's a draw potentially, or certainly a draw at that time if if that had happened. I mean, City only had three shots on target in the second half, and all three mm. were goals. Yeah. I mean, we know that our finishing isn't anywhere near theirs this season, but that's what it takes, isn't it? Mm. Um, so that was another shambles and, and again, where we suffered. Um, but then in the 65th minute, uh, hopefully a little glimpse of what's, what's to come because Emil Smith-Rowe came on for uh, Mohamed Elneny. And I don't know about you, but I thought he was great because three minutes later... He, he's got the ball driving up the defence and he, he slides a nice ball into Lacazette who smashes it from a tight angle into the side netting. But within three minutes, he'd created something that, I don't know, we've been missing all season, really. I don't know what your thoughts on his overall performance was as coming on as sub. Yeah, I thought he looked good. Um, he's just got that awareness of, of space and, and where to be and when. Uh, and that's... You know, you can't teach that. Those no. creative players, you know, they find those little pockets and pick the ball up. And, you know, he's always looking for it and he's good at good on the half turn. He, he You know, he, he he can spin out of trouble quickly and, and he's, he's away. Uh, and he's always looking for that pass. You know, he's not looking to play it sideways and backwards. It's always forwards. And, and we've been lacking 
that all season from not just him but you know from anyone having anyone in yeah. to do that um it's the penetration yeah that's what he brings it is it is yeah uh i guess you look at it he's at, at the squad at the minute he's got to play because there's no one else that's doing what what he what he does yeah is there? yeah no you're, you're absolutely right Absolutely right. Um, and, and I hope we do see more of him. My worry is that Arteta is going to be too stubborn and too loyal to the wrong players and it will come to bite us on the, on the arse again. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come to that in a moment. Um, so that's 3-1. 3-1 down. And then there's a fourth goal and that absolutely kills the tie, doesn't it? Another cross from Phil Foden. I mean, what a player. He, with the ball, there was at one point we just couldn't get it off him. You know, he really, really was living up to the hype. Um, and we, that, that, that's that's the, that's the issue, isn't it? Right. So he's fairly similar in age and type of player to Emil Smith Rowe. Yeah. City have got all this money, all these players, but yet still find a place for this this young kid to to come in and and play in that sort of role. Why can't Emil Smith Rowe? Yeah. Do the same for yeah. us. I, I, honestly, I, I don't think there's too much difference other than, you know, Phil Foden's got a lot more experience and got better players around him. But Yeah, they're of a similar like, similar yeah, ilk, aren't they? Yeah. They, are, they, are, they are similar. Um, and uh, you, you're absolutely right. And the thing is, I think what's frustrating is if you saw someone like that and their potential was being blocked by someone that was doing an amazing job in the first team, which is something Wenger used to say quite a lot. I think, in fact, he used to say about Nabry, brilliant player, but if I'm going to play you, I need to drop one of my superstars, and I can't drop them because they're doing so well for the team. And that, you know, he was one of many examples. This is, you know, this could not be more chalk and cheese because there is nobody that that you would say that to. Yes, there might be superstars in a previous life, but at the minute, they're all playing like League Two players. So what's the harm in, in dropping him? Um, and as I say, you, you then look at that third goal and uh, it's just more shambolic defending because um, we are literally players playing like statues, not moving. Foden dictating play around us all. And you've got Mustafi trying to play offside and Laporte gets in and, and heads, heads it in for 4-1. And at that point I thought, which I've had this feeling a lot recently, if we didn't have a fucking podcast, I'd turn this shit off and go to bed. <laughs> yeah. so angry. Yeah, Mustafi steps up, doesn't he? But um, Kolasinac, I think it is, plays everyone on side. Yeah, yeah. He's he's gone from the incredible Hulk to Groot, I think. You know, he's just stood there like a tree. Yeah. yeah. Sorry if you don't get that reference. No, that's uh, cartoon. What's it called? In- Incredibles? No. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the minions. What's it called? Despicable Me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, right? you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Merry Christmas. Thanks, man. Thanks. Um, so that was 4-1, and the game was, as I say, very much just done and dusted by that point. Um, we've spoken about Martinelli and, and the fantastic impact that he had, and we've spoken about Emil Smith-Rowe, uh, and clearly there's, there's got to be a place for him somewhere. Um, but there was also, um, uh, I'm trying to find what minute it was that he came in but there was also uh that's it uh fuller and belogan came on in the 77th minute 
he only had a short cameo, but I thought the way that he linked up and, again, just moved over the ground so quickly into such good positions on and off the ball, we can't afford for him not to sign a contract because he really could be a, a superstar for us in the championship when we get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, I think that's, that is a positive. Well, you know, if we actually did go down, that would be a positive. That I think we've got enough of a group of uh, core youngsters of that quality that will have to stay probably yeah. Um, yeah. and help us come back up. You yeah, know, well, let's not we sell off. Of, let's not. No, think we won't go that far yet. We're not. We're not there yet. But not even. Um, it's not even January. Um, right. But I did think he played well. So we've got three you know positives out of that and joe willock did okay i guess if we want to add another uh, another youth in there but i do think that we're at that position where youth needs to take over from experience because the experienced guys are not doing anything are they they bring nothing to the table at the moment no leadership and you know no game winning um quality yeah no i half agree with you uh i don't think you can go Full full youth. No, no, I think they would struggle, but I think yeah, that he's got to be looking to drop one or two, maybe three, and and bring these young kids through. Yeah. Um, I just worry that who some of the players they're learning off at the minute, the attitudes and and things like that, that they yeah. don't buy into that and yeah. they uh, keep working hard. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so that that's that. That's a competition that we're out of. And, and you know, like I said, when all said and done, you don't want to sort of uh, turn your nose up at the opportunity to win a game and win a, a, a trophy. But when you're in the perilous position that we're in, your focus has absolutely got to be 100% on the league. Um, so our next game is on Saturday against Chelsea. Uh, Saturday being Boxing Day, of course. And uh, it doesn't get any easier for us, does it? Uh, we're at home, but that of course means nothing because there's no fans, so we could be playing anywhere. Um, but thoughts on that game? I mean, I'm not confident at the best of times. I'm certainly not going to be confident against Chelsea, but I'd love to be proven wrong. So, what are you feeling? Again, it's, it's another game. I suppose looking at it at the moment, we uh, going into it, we're probably not expecting to get a result, are we? Um, I would, I would. I would suggest that it's not going to go well and back backs against the wall. Mm. It's uh, it's going to be difficult for Arteta to to lift the boys. I think after after that, yeah. he's got probably the easiest run of games that we've had for a long time and that we will have for a while. So this is it. I think it's uh, if he does get a result. And I think he needs one. Uh, it could be enough to give us some momentum to push on and push through these easy, easier games. Yeah. Not easy because you know the way we're playing. <laughs> well, Burnley leads. They both proved that there are no easy games, even at the lower end of the table. Um, let me let me let me uh, pose two questions to you and just give me a yes or no answer. Mm-hmm. Will Willian come back to the starting lineup to face Chelsea? Yes. And will Hector Bellerin come back to play Chelsea? Yes, I think okay. so. So I think so too. But on that basis, does that not tell you that it's, it's you know same old, same old, and he's not willing to change anything? 
is that is he is it you know is his stubbornness going to cost him his job basically? Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. He's putting his faith in these players, and he said in his post-match interview yesterday that that he's looking to the fighters in the squad. So what collapse? I don't know. He he must he must well look he must know. He's obviously indicating there's, there's some sort of issue, but then when he was pressed on it, he when it was suggested that are there players that aren't fighting for, for the club and for the team, he said, you know, he sort of denied it. So it was a strange thing for him to say, really. Yeah. Obviously, he doesn't want to cause issues. Call anyone but, out. But there's obviously issues there, and uh, yeah. there's obviously a, a few players that aren't doing that. So he's just got to not pick them, really. Yeah, it's quite simple, isn't it? Well, on the outside, it would seem that way. Yes, on yeah. the outside, you, you don't know, I guess. Um, but yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see. What um, I won't go through a predicted eleven because that might take forever. But what are your gut feelings on result uh, and score? Give us a prediction. You want a prediction? Normally, I say an Arsenal win, don't I? But you do. I'm going to go for a score draw. <laughs> is that because you can't bet against Arsenal? Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't bring myself to say uh, that we will yeah. lose. I always believe. I always got faith. I think uh, a score draw. Yeah, like one-one. Yeah, I, I would say. Okay. Uh, I think we're gonna lose three-nil. Okay. I'm just being realistic. I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I, I really do. I really don't. I mean. Put it this way, Timo Werner's hardly scored this season for Chelsea, has he? Oh, yeah. Oh, guaranteed then. So, you know, if, if a player is... Uh, I noticed there was a stat popped up yesterday for Riyad Mahrez. Hasn't scored away from home since January. Well, oh, come to the Emirates, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, come to the Emirates. Merry well, Christmas. Put it for our, our hand. Here's a goal for you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, yeah, I, I really do think that. But I think that'll be his last chance, you know, and as much as because it's Chelsea, because we're not playing well, you know, blah, blah, blah. That'll be his last chance to get a loss, I think. And I think anything after that, yeah, things don't turn around quickly for him, transfer window or not, I think he'll be gone. And I think... Um, do you actually? Yeah, I really do. And I, and I think for two reasons. One, something needs to change. And it doesn't seem like he's even willing to change the team at the minute in the league games. Uh, and was it Einstein? You know, you do the same thing over and over again. You're going to get the same results. Definition of madness. Um, yeah. So I think that. And also think we've got one opportunity here to really make a go of things in the transfer window. And there'll be nothing worse than if we waste two weeks of the transfer window with Arteta and nothing gets better and we sack him. And then the new manager's only got a week or two weeks, depending on how fast we manage to appoint somebody. And then well, we're stuck with the same situation. According to Arteta, that, you know, all of that's now in the hands of, of Eddie, right? So whoever the coach is, the manager is, that will all get sorted out above the manager. Yeah. About who, surely, who he wants. Who he wants, yeah. So if the next man comes in and says, Eddie says, well, right, I've got this guy, this guy, this guy coming in, and he's going, well, I don't want them. <laughs> Not my guys. Yeah, well, that, yeah that, that's... That's the problem that you're going to have if you keep changing the manager. Yeah, and I'm not, you know, I don't want. It, to. it is a, it's such a difficult situation. You just can't put all the blame on to Arteta because no. it's 
until this squad gets sorted out and he's got the team that he wants, you know, it does take a couple of years. It takes, yeah. And the trouble is, as a fan base, we've had, we've been shit for a while. So I think we've, everyone's... We've been shit, but we've been stable. And I, I feel like Arteta's maybe had a bit more leniency with the fan base. The fact that he's a ex-Arsenal and he came in, he talked a good game, yeah. he won a trophy. Um, but since then, I've, I mean, it's been rapid, the, the deterioration in, in the support for him, I think. Um, like you said, Chelsea, possibly last chance for an L. And then uh, yeah, he's, got, he's really got to start winning the games. Or yeah. it, They'll be under whoever is got to make that decision. You'd like to think that they are think at least have some, I don't even think they've got a plan to be honest, a backup plan. I think they're planning to stick it out and hope that we don't get relegated. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, I can only think back to certainly in the immediate term, Klopp when he came to Liverpool, or even I hate to say it, Man United, you know, with David Moyes and, and Van Gaal and Jose and and obviously uh, Ollie at the minute. You know, they've not been great, but they they've been kind of stable in as much as they've been top six, top seven, you know, the, the, all those seasons. And I think our fans, although they wouldn't be happy with that because you know they, we always want the best, I think there'd be some appreciation for, or you know what, we might be fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, might even be tenth. But we understand it's a process. We need to get the players out. Blah blah blah. I kind of feel like. We're not happy at the minute being in 15th, understandably, because it's so close to the bottom. We're not even hovering mid-table. We're so close to the bottom. And uh, it's just the unthinkable, isn't it, really, that something might happen uh, to our, our, you know, our club. And it's what is going to change. What's going to create that change? Um, well, the so- players have to, have to pull their finger out and earn the right to, to win the points. Yeah. That's where it starts. Yeah. There's uh, far too many of them just uh, meandering and, and tr- strolling around. And that goes back to my other point, though. You know, is he going to bring William back? Probably. Is he going to bring Bellerin back? Probably. If there's no fight for competition and the players that keep getting picked, no matter how they play, just get picked all the time, there's no there's no fight. There's no competition for places. There's no fire, you know. It's just... well. I'll try my best, I guess. But if not, I'll, I'll just play next time. And I think with the youth, the youth, the kids, there is that I need to grasp my chance while I've got it because if I don't take it now, I'll never get it. And I think that's why, you know, they they, they do pretty well. Time will tell anyway, but half five Saturday uh, for that game. We'll, we'll mm. see. Uh, now, let's have a quick look just while I remember because, of course, over the festive periods, uh, the games always come thick and fast, don't they? So uh, we've got that game on Saturday, and then the next game is Tuesday against Brighton, 6 p.m. Uh, again, away, but irrelevant because of no fans. Um, and then I think, is it New Year's Day that we play again? Uh, will it be the Saturday? It's Saturday against West Brom. So teams that we really need to start picking up points against because they're in and around where we are. Uh, so... Let's hope for no injuries. Let's hope for positive results. Uh, let's hope we start climbing that table. Mm-hmm. 
well, can you believe it? Nearly, what, 40 odd minutes gone, talking about, uh, you know, the delights that are Arsenal Football Club at the moment. I hope to God that one day very soon we can actually have a positive conversation, uh, you know, talking Arsenal, because it's been a very tough 19 episodes, isn't it, Diddley? Yeah, it has, mate, yeah. Um, uh, look, we enjoy doing it. Um, if you're still listening, we appreciate the love uh, and your support. Um, keep your chin up and uh, it's only onwards and upwards, isn't it? Yeah, you know. That's right. The only way is Hopefully. up. Yeah. <laughs> Quite literally. Um, OK, well, that uh, probably brings us to a, a natural close here, doesn't it, Diddley? But I think we're going to... Yeah. We're going to uh, obviously do the review of the Chelsea match and we've as you've mentioned, got the Brighton match. So I'm not sure if we're going to do two separate podcasts for those or uh, one that covers both. But uh, whatever you do, please continue to listen. Have a fantastic Christmas period and we'll be back before you know it. Merry Christmas. Merry everyone. Christmas. Yes, have a good one and we'll speak to you soon. Take care. Arsenal.